this one day I was walking to class, I realized like, wow, I'm just part of this herd. Like we're all walking in the same direction and I'm not even at a good college. And so here I am one person out of this herd of cattle and we're all going the same direction. I like turned around and I just said to myself, I may not succeed, but I'm definitely not walking the same way as everybody else. And I said, I'm going to go try to build my business. And even if it doesn't work, at least when people you know ask me, I'm not just going to give them a resume that says the same thing in everyone else. It'll say dropped out to, you know, follow my dream. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mind Valley podcast. I am recording this from Brasov, Romania. It is two days to Halloween, and I'm here with my son and my daughter. And my kids are horror movie freaks. And my daughter turned turned nine on Monday. And for her birthday, um, we wanted to bring her to Romania to visit Dracula's castle. We literally just got back from visiting Bran Castle um, here in Romania. And I'm now um, back in my hotel room recording this episode. And this episode is something I'm so excited about because this man, Elliot Bisnow, has had a pretty big impact on my life through his series of initiatives and companies that is best known as Summit Series. So before before I begin, before I tell you about Elliot's impact on my life, let me give you a quick idea of what this this guy has done. So firstly, he is the co-founder of the Summit Group. He's built a global community of entrepreneurs, academics, scientists, spiritual leaders, and beyond. Elliot is at his heart, a community builder. And he runs a company called This Now Media. Um, Well, he started This Now Media with his father at the age of 20, and grew it into the largest commercial real estate media company in the world. He went on to start the famous Summit Series, one of the biggest gatherings of incredible thought leaders and entrepreneurs across the world. I've attended four Summit Series events in the last decade, and I can tell you that these events are amazing. I've bumped into, gosh, everyone from... um the, the CEO of Google to Quentin Tarantino, the, the quality of people that show up at the summit event is extraordinary. But Elliot didn't stop there. He didn't just stop at creating one of the most significant entrepreneurial events in the world. At a young age, he ended up buying a mountain, Powder Mountain, Utah, the largest ski resort in the country. We're going to be talking to Elliot about that. We're going to talk about his philanthropic activities, and we're going to talk about his book, which reflects the mindset of this man, make no small plans. I love that phrase. So Elliot, welcome to the Mind Valley podcast. Great to be here. And hi to all the people live, Switzerland, Mexico, Peru, Oregon, Puerto Rico. I love it. So so I want to I, I want to do two things in this podcast, Elliot. Firstly, I've always respected your brain and your mind, uh, this idea of make no small plans. And so we want to talk about that. I want to talk about goals. I want to talk about how you acquired a freaking mountain, the largest ski resort in the US, how you started Summit Series. The thought process behind that is interesting. And there's going to be lessons here for those of you who are entrepreneurs. But because I value Summit so much, I want to share the Summit uh, platform with our Mind Valley listeners so that uh, more people might want to sign up for the next summit series. Um, and, and I may be there. I may be at the next summit series. But first, before I want to share a story of how we connected. Okay. Take it away. So it happened in 2010. And I got this random call from this, this, this kid. Elliot, how old are you? You're pretty young. Well, right? now, now I'm 37, but I was, uh, yeah. And, uh, tw- yeah, I guess we met at 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, you were 25 when you called me up. Um, now I was, I was maybe 36 or something and you're like, Hey, so I have this event happening. Someone recommended you as a speaker and you're going to have to interview to attend. So I'm like, interview to attend. Okay, fine. Uh, you want me to speak and you want me to pass an interview, but I thought the chutzpah of that was pretty cool. So I got on a call with Elliot. I passed the interview and I ended up going to this remarkable event called summit series. It was in Washington, DC. And the event honestly was was beautiful. I made I remember sitting down there and having breakfast and lunch with the most inspiring people. I was sitting down with Philip Rosedale, uh, the the genius engineer who created Second Life, one of the world's first metaverses. I remember sitting down with the CFO of Zappos. All of these companies I really respected, and it was incredible to be at this event. I was a kid in Malaysia. I was living in Malaysia at that time, and in Malaysia I didn't have access to 
all of these brilliant minds, but at Senate, everyone was on a level playing field. Now, I also want to give credit where it's due. Summit Series inspired me to start my event, AFEST. AFEST was bubbling. It was bubbling at the back of my mind. But Summit Series helped inspire it. And before the very first AFEST, which was six months after I attended Summit, it happened in Costa Rica. I actually met up with Elliot and his team in, in New York. We partied till 4 a.m. I remember we were, we were at this bar called Tequila Flats. That was a wild night. And then we all flew to Costa Rica um, and uh, for my very first A-Fest. And it was super fun. So what Elliot inspired me to do is when I saw the power of community, I decided, well, this is so beautiful. I want my company, Mind Valley, to have an event. Um, A-Fest is not as big a summit. Uh, that's by design. We like to have just 300 people there. Um, and it's focused more on personal growth and spirituality and wellness, um, less on entrepreneurship. But I got to give credit where it's due. It was inspired by Elliot. And that's why Elliot was one of the very first speakers I put on stage at AFES. And this man's humility really impressed me. Elliot refused to get on the stage. He did not. Rather, he went and he gave his talk under a tree. Literally, guys, I'm telling you, like most people... <laughs> He was 25 years old. Most people would have loved to be on stage at AFEST, but Elliot refused to. That humility and that humbleness was inspiring. He got his talk under a tree, and I'll never forget that. People <laughs> gathered around him like he was Jesus, and um, and, he, and he spoke about community building in a really beautiful way. And that's why I have so much respect for you, Elliot, and the work that you've done, the empire you've built. Wow. Uh, I love listening to you, both because you're a great speaker and thanks for all the kind words. And yeah, before we kick it off, I met at that first Awesomeness Fest. I mean, there's so many ways that you've impacted my life, but I met Sean Stevenson, the three foot giant, and that changed my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just the power of being part of a community, the power of you know going to events. It can be nerve wracking to go to something. You don't right. know anyone there. I didn't know anyone before the first Awesomeness Fest there. And I went and I made new friends, including this little guy, the three foot giant, Sean Stevenson right. in a wheelchair. And uh, he transformed my life. So loved Awesomeness Fest. And uh, yeah, excited to get into it for today. Yeah, so um, so just for people who are listening, Awesomeness Fest was renamed AFES. I hated the name Awesomeness Fest. It was a spur <laughs> of the moment thing. I did it because I wanted to surf. And Awesomeness back in 2010 sounded cool. But just like words like radical or groovy, it's no longer cool. And so we changed the name to AFES. Our Instagram handle is at AFES, and it's still going strong. So Elliot, tell me about that spark that caused you when you were 20 years old. Um, well, I, I know you were really young and you started the first summit series with pure chutzpah, inviting 40 people, I believe, to go skiing with you and paying for everything with your credit card. Tell us that story because that's so inspiring. Okay, what happened is that I applied to college and I got rejected from every single college that I applied to, except for one college. And I got into the University of Wisconsin in Madison, in the middle of nowhere. And I went there and it was a great school. Uh, and my parents, you know, we, we were middle class growing up, but they didn't give me any money. So I went to school and I mean, I had so little money, like I was eating this, you know, terrible food in my dorms. I, you know, every time I needed to go to an ATM, it charged uh, $2. And it, it's so uh -huh. cold in Wisconsin, it's like zero degrees. And so I would walk five blocks in the freezing cold to avoid a paying $2 at the ATM. And I was only withdrawing $20 at a time. So I had no money. I was eating terrible food. And I felt uh, like I just, you know, I wasn't clicking in college. And when the second semester began of my freshman year, there was somebody in my dorm, like in the building I was in, uh, screen printing t-shirts. They had like a little, uh, like I opened their door and they had a little screen printing press and they were literally pressing and making funny slogans on t-shirts. And I asked them what they were doing and they said they had their own business making t-shirts. And I said, well, what do you, well, who hired you? Like, who do you work for? And they said, no, I have my own business. I couldn't believe it. I called my parents. I said, this, this kid says he has his own business. Like he's not telling the truth, obviously. They're like, no, you, you could have your own business. And that blew my mind open because growing up, nobody was an entrepreneur around me. None of my friends' parents were entrepreneurs. They were lawyers and doctors. And it just, it never occurred to me that I could actually start my own business. So wow. I spent the next two years straight in college trying to start businesses. I would work all night. I would pitch everyone. No, nothing worked. 
like I had an idea, uh, like, you know, I was on a college campus with like the, the main street with all the cool stores. And I had this idea to try to pitch the stores to get college students to be their marketing, their internal marketing brainstorm engine. So I put this whole deck together and everything. And I pitched every single store on the entire street. It was called State Street. It's like 10 blocks long. And every single store on all of State Street said no. So I spent these couple of years trying to start businesses. And right before my junior year, my dad had an idea for a business to basically create a newsletter, like a business insider or TechCrunch, but all about commercial real estate. You know, he was just interested in real estate and you know, all the buildings around us, there's very interesting stories who designed them, who built them, you know, who financed them. And so he started writing about it. And he, he asked me, he said, you know, Elliot, would you want to be, you know, would you want to sell mm -hmm. advertising? I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll sell advertising. He said, great, I'll give you 20% of whatever you sell. And I literally thought this was like the dream job, no base salary, just 20% commission. And I just started pounding the phones, you know, and I would fly home to Washington, DC, where I was from. And I was just, I would, I would, you know, go door to door for meetings, trying to, you know, I would cold call, you know, the, the advertisers in the local newspaper. I made my first sale for $6,000. I like literally, you know, I read online that you should have three packages, like a gold, a silver and a bronze and make the, the bronze really crappy and the gold like good, but too expensive. And they'll always go with silver. And so I like got someone said, great, I'll do the silver package. You know, and they said, send me an insertion order. And I said, great. And then I like ran home and I like Googled, you know, what is an insertion order? <laughs> you know, and that's like, well, you're supposed to send an advertising client. So I was, I was that clueless, but over the next six months, I, I literally sold um, like almost a million dollars of ads and all these In checks. six months. And how old were you? I was almost 21 and all the checks, like the checks I would write, like I was in dorm room 702 and I would write sweet 702. So all the checks started coming to like my dorm room or to my parents' house. Wow. And I, I started thinking, you know, you know, maybe I, I should stay in school. I'm not sure. And this one day, and you, you, you guys will really love this. This one day I was walking to class. It was for like the, the eight o'clock class. And every morning for the last two years, I'd walk to the first period class. And it was very inspiring. There's like thousands of kids walking down the street. It was, it was like a good energy, like walking into a, a football or soccer game. And you could feel all the students, they had their school colors. They would all walk to class. And I loved it for years. And this one day, I was walking to class and I just, I realized like, wow, I'm just part of this herd. Like we're all walking in the same direction. I literally felt this like with like uh, where you get the goosebumps. Like I'm just in this herd, like a cattle show. And I'm not even at a good college. Like it's an, it's a good college, but it's not Ivy League. It's not top 50. And so here I am one person out of this herd of cattle at one college in one country at one class. And we're all going the same direction. I like turned, literally turned around and I looked at all the faces like pouring past me. And I just said to myself, I may not succeed, but I'm definitely not walking the same way as everybody else. And I like turned around and I literally walked through everybody. And I walked back to my dorm and I called my parents and I said, I'm taking a semester off and I'm going to go try to build my business. And even if it doesn't work, at least when people you know, ask me, I'm not just going to give them a resume that says the same thing and everyone else. It'll say, dropped out to you know, follow my dream. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> so at 21, wow, you were making close to 200 grand a year selling advertising. For your yeah. So I, I made like 200 G's and I was not even 21 and I didn't, I'd never had any money. Cause just like, like I said, six months before I could only withdraw $20 at a time from an ATM. And so the money would just go into my bank account, but then, you know, we wanted to build a business. So in order to build a business, sure, you could take money out and keep it. But what you really want to do is you want to compound your capital. Mm. And so what we ended up doing was taking all that money and investing it, you know, into new people who worked at the company, new team members, right? Because wow. if, um, you know, the old saying one plus one doesn't have to equal two, it could equal three or four, right? If I could right. take that money and actually take $200,000 and hire a real sales director, maybe they could sell $2 million of ads, right? So right. ideally when you hire someone, they're, they're going to five to 10 X your investment on them. If you pay somebody $50,000 a year, they should deliver 250,000 to 500,000 of value. If you pay someone a hundred thousand a year, 
they should deliver 500,000 to a million of value a year for the business. So we took all that money and we invested it into our business. And to answer your question, how did Summit start? Here I was, I moved back into my childhood bedroom at my parents' house. I was waking up every day at five in the morning, you know, you know, in my little spreadsheet, making cold calls. And I realized that I didn't know anybody. Like I didn't have a peer group. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any friends who were entrepreneurs. In Florida, there's this chain of 10 of islands. It's called the 10,000 islands. It's all flat. So you can't see any other island from the island you're on. And when you're an entrepreneur, it can feel like you're one of the islands in the 10,000 islands. You know that there's all these other islands out there, but you don't know them. You can't see them. And so as an entrepreneur, I knew there were other people doing businesses. I'm not kidding. I had never met even one person that had started a business, you know, not one. And so I got my magazines like Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, and I would flip through them and I would find articles. So I saw like a little one paragraph on Tom's shoes. It was like, this guy's, you know, giving away shoes and, you know, to change the world. Right. And I cold called Blake, the founder of Tom's. He had literally two interns and him in a garage. Like these are the first people I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cold call, not Richard Branson or some famous person. I'm going to cold call people just like me who are at the beginning of their journey. And I'm going to cool. invite them on a ski trip. I cold called the founders of Vimeo and College Humor, Ricky Van Veen and Josh Abramson. And I just said, hey, you know, I also have a startup. I just have a few people. I wanted to get us all together for a trip. And so how Summit started is that when I had this business with my dad, I realized I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to hire people. I didn't know how to raise money. I didn't know how to do the finances. I didn't know how to create a company culture. I didn't know how to find an office space. I didn't know how to make an org chart. Like I literally, I didn't even know how to run a great sales organization. I didn't know. And I thought I need to call other people and let's all, you know, let's all help each other. It's like um, a rising tide lifts all ships. Like if I have a candle and it has a flame on it and I light another candle, now we both have flame. I don't lose any flame from my candle, even if I go light 10 other candles. Now we all and have so light. You went, from, from what I recall from the story, because the story has become legendary, you reached out to 40 entrepreneurs, you didn't know them, and you said, hey, let's all go on a ski trip. And then yeah, you decided yeah, to Yeah, 19 people you. came on the first trip. And I, people. I put it on my credit cards because I did have a little bit of savings, even though I invested a lot in the business. Uh -huh. It was about $30,000. By the way, I didn't know how to plan a trip. I, I had never been on a trip except for a family vacation. I'd never been on a trip with friends before. So I asked, and there was no Airbnb. So I asked my mom to help me book a house. And then I was trying, I was so budget conscious. I got a house with eight bedrooms for 19 people. And I, when everybody <laughs> arrived, I informed them that they would be sharing rooms. I didn't even drink yet because I wasn't 21 or I just turned 21. And so um, I guess I just, when I was planning the event, I wasn't 21. But when I got there, I like just had my new ID that I was 21. So I went out, there's 19 people. So I bought, I'm not kidding, Vision. I bought 24 cans of beer and put it in the fridge because I thought this is awesome. Like everyone's going to have one <laughs> beer. And but, so, but, but, but what's crazy there, Elliot, is that these 20, these 19 people that you invited, many of them were legendary. Okay. Blake Mykoski from Tom Shoes, um, the guy from College Humor. And I bet I met both of them at Summit. They're both really great, great people. Who were some of the other entrepreneurs that you were able to assemble? Yeah. So on the first one, again, these people were not well-known. But, you know, Sam yeah. Altman, before he became the wow, president of Y right. Combinator, was literally mm -hmm. on the first trip or Ben Lear, the founder of Thrillist. Um, right. and, and we'll get to the second trip. But on the second trip, people like Tony Shea from Zappos had yeah. just gotten involved with Zappos or the founders of Uber were a company before Uber. Um, or Tim wow. Ferriss had just put out the four hour work week. Like it was not even, think, uh, well known yet. I think you have Pete Ferrazzi and Evan Pagan on those trips as well. Yes, all all those yeah. kinds of folks. And so, yeah, I mean, going back to that first trip, I think what really mattered was not um, what really mattered was was taking the initiative to reach out to people. Right. So so one thing is, do not cold call famous people. This is a very bad idea. They're not going to reply. You're going to you know get right. in contact with one out of every 500 emails you write. What you really want to do is build 
a group of your peers and then mm-hmm. rise up together, right? All, all the musicians that we idolize that are famous today, you know, they've been hanging out with each other for a long time, <clears throat> you know, creating their own peer group. And so right. I think with Summit, it all started uh, before these people were well-known and everyone rose together. Again, a, a rising tide lifts all ships. See, that's, that's fascinating, Elliot, because so many of the people you had at those first Summit events were, were unknown. And today they are so, so massively known. Many of them are billionaires. And I, and I wonder the impact of that, that, that group. I wonder the impact that group connection had on their rise. Yeah, well, one thing is we were focused on the people and the quality of their character and the quality of what they were building. Wow, th- you know, this is a great person. This person has a great work ethic. They have a great vision. I think, you know, also most entrepreneurs are not successful at their first go of it, right? Even yeah. you, know, Mark Zuckerberg had a few, you know, flub ups in college before Facebook, you know, and, and many people, you know, the founders of Uber, like Travis Kalanick, he had some other little startup before that. I, I don't know if he almost made any money on it. And so, you know, the key is to to bet on people and to build lifelong relationships and then to help each other. And, you know, like you said, you know, have a community, have a peer group. And uh, yeah, look at that first event. I mean, it, it started awkward, but what everyone realized, wow, these people are just like me. And look, everyone who's an entrepreneur realizes it's not glamorous right. being an entrepreneur. That's only the the fake news, you know, mm-hmm. and the magazine covers. Like the reality is that, Everyone who's an entrepreneur can relate to every other entrepreneur because every entrepreneur has almost missed payroll many, many times. Every entrepreneur knows what it's like to beg their friends for money. Every entrepreneur knows what it's like to drain their own bank account. Like these are shared emotions and like a shared through line for all entrepreneurs. Like I know that you, Vision, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a successful business, you definitely, and you came from Malaysia. You definitely had to do this. You've definitely had to. I had to go through a lot of shit. I've missed. I've I've gone through the horrors of nearly missing payroll, almost having to sell my car just to survive. Like all of that stuff, I relate. It's a. It's that that kinship is so important. Yeah, we had. I mean, I just read about Athletic Greens. It's worth a billion dollars. The founder is Chris mm-hmm. Ashenden. When he didn't have a place to stay, this is like twelve or thirteen years ago. He just slept on our couch for two months, right? And it's like. These are people now, they, they see Chris Ashenen, wow, the founder of a billion dollar wow. company. What a legend. But it's like, he went through all the same things as any person in their startup yeah. journey. And um, and so Summit was about, at the end of the day, connecting people who should have been friends, you know, wow. connecting people who were the same level as each other and rising together, collaborating together. And it wasn't until many years later, once we had built a reputation. Once we had, you know, that first event was 19 people, then 60, then 120, then 250. It wasn't until those later events, many, many years later, where bigger speakers started to come because we had a reputation, other attendees who knew them, introduced us to them. But the best way to get to make new relationships by far is not cold calling. It's building relationships with people, building trust, giving as much as you can, and then having those people connect you to new people in your life. Beautifully said. I, I love that. I've met so many incredible friends and allies through your work, through Summit Series. So these stories are fascinating. The story about how you dropped out of college, the story about how you started Summit. And you don't seem to stop. You, you, you have a knack for being able to do things that to outsiders seem impossible. I want you to share the story of Powder Mountain how you came to buy and own the largest ski resort in the United States. Yeah. So after, uh, <laughs> after putting on the summit events, you know, we would gather these groups and the events would last three days and you can start to feel like as impactful as an event is, you also want to continue those relationships. So you could continue them through a forum that you get together with, right? Or you could, you know, an event can have, you know, ongoing WhatsApp groups or meetups throughout the year. And what we were really feeling was, you know, what if we could build a physical place that could kind of embody the energy of these events? And, you know, if you if you think of the places that you've been to, there's really great precedents and, pro, you know, historical provenance for how these places got created. 
you know, Soho in New York or the meatpacking district or Brooklyn or, you know, Venice Beach in California or the Wynwood Walls in Miami. Or you, you can pretty much look at any country, you know, or, you know, in, just in America, you know, Austin, Texas. You can look at, you know, did I see someone here is in Costa Rica? So, you know, no Sara or, right. And so you can, you can almost look at any country and you can look at the thriving areas and you can ask yourself, well, how did that area come to be? And often there were, groups of people or a few people who fell in love with an area and they started, you know, they started bringing community to that area. They started building, you know, a neat hotel or a restaurant. They started, you know, creating programming. And especially there's a lot of history around ski towns, Aspen and Telluride and Jackson Hole. And so, you know, you know, for us, what happened is we did an event called Summit at Sea, where we would charter and take over this entire ship. And one of our attendees met up with me after I got an introduction to them. And they basically came and pitched us on this idea of Powder Mountain. They said, you know, there's a ski resort that's quietly for sale. And I have kind of, they told us, you know, they have a development and finance background. You know, why don't you guys do what you do well, which is building community and we'll partner up. I'll help raise the money. I'll help set the development course. And, you know, the summit team, you can bring the community there help with the design, the community values, the stewardship. And so we basically in 2011 set off on this big idea to try to raise enough money to buy a ski resort and you know to bring the summit community there to actually build homes and have a permanent community. And you know we wanted it to be different. We wanted to raise the money in a crowdsourced model so rather than going to, you know, one large investor who might own 80% of the project, we we basically pre-sold home sites through a founding member program where the founding members, you know, you could buy a home site and then have, you know, special economics basically later on, get some or all of your money back when the project hits successful points. So anyway, we, we, the bottom line is we found this mountain, we found a partner, we teamed up and we set a course to try to buy and manage and run a ski resort. And so we bought Powder Mountain in 2013. It's been almost 10 years since we've owned it. Wow. The resort's 50 years old now. There's 50 houses on Powder Mountain, 15 more under construction. And we're starting to see, you know, this community on Powder Mountain come to life. You know, it's it's crazy. You literally at 20, so how old were you? You must have been like 28 and you owned a mountain. And it's massive. Powder Mountain is massive. I was talking to a mutual friend, Gautam Ketrapal. Yeah. He, um, he used to work at Mind Value. Yeah, he's great. To come, to come visit Powder Mountain. He was telling me, Vision, this place is so massive. When I entered, I entered, and it was still a 45-minute drive across this mountain to get to the, uh, the place where I was staying. And uh, the scale of that is beautiful. And what you've done there is beautiful. I haven't been to an event at Powder Mountain, but I've seen the photos. And I re- remember seeing those beautiful photos of the community, those people you bring together. And it's it's so important. Community is one of the most important things I believe the world needs right now, especially as we're all going through this these feelings of isolation and loneliness and coming out of this damn pandemic. So kudos to you for, for what you've done there. What what is let me just ask you a question. What is your experience stewarding the Mind Valley community? Oh, so that has become my biggest obsession right now. We went from being an edtech platform to being an edtech movement. So right now, um, I just got the statistics from my team. This month, we organized over 156 Mind Valley meetups. These are people coming together for lunch, for dinner, um, um, for coffee to discuss their goals. 150 alone this month, but we're getting to a level where. We've built our own little private social network with the ability for people to create events, sort of like a meetup.com within our app. And in the next 14 months, our goal is to get to 400 meetups a week. So wow. we're all about community. So we have massive events. We have a one big event called Mind Valley University, where about 2,000 people move to a city together for one month. And we use wow. an app to create thousands of events in the city. It's sort of like Summit, Summit Los Angeles. Um, but it's one month rather than a few days and people use an app to hack the entire city. But at the same time, we're now using our app to create uh, micro events uh, called meetups across the world. And the goal is 400 a week. And the reason I do it, it, it's really interesting why I do it. But the reason I do it is I was shocked at the number of people who wrote to me on Instagram saying, hey, I'm getting married. 
and I met this person at a Mind Valley event. Mm. And I thought, wow, if I if I want a good goal before I die, just like something just that would make me just feel so so that I my life was well spent. I want to have I want to introduce a thousand people to the love of their life. And so that just became a little like like obsession at the back of my head. <laughs> I game. love that. And that's why I'm scaling up meetups. But the funny thing is, because these meetups are so successful, Mind Valley has just exploded because no other ed tech platform out there is focused on community. I love that. And I love your reframe from an ed tech platform, you know, to a movement, to a community. I think so many businesses or nonprofits look at their, you know, the people that they that buy things from them as customers. And so many of these companies can reframe the customers as a community. Like if you run a coffee shop, yes, they're your right. customers, but part of the value is, well, what kind of people are in the coffee shop? Is it rude people with their computers out all the time? We don't want to meet each other. So therefore your future customers don't want to actually come there. Or is it really a community there of coffee lovers or people who enjoy exactly. culture, enjoy open conversation? So I think there's so many businesses you really can reframe your customer base to a community base, people who share those, even Netflix. And there's aspects like they're not just customers, there's aspects of all the people who love certain Netflix series, almost right. communities of lovers of those series who are now meeting offline and talking about those series. So even things that it wouldn't be obvious that the customers are community, they really can be and should be. Yeah. And, and I found that there are two things, two things that matter, right? So yeah, Netflix could try to start a community, but I don't think it'll be successful. Let's say Summit of Mind Value because of the two things that truly matter. And, and it's what Tony Robbins calls our two greatest needs. One is contribution and the other one is growth. I think the communities that really gel together are communities where you come together to contribute, you know, like Habitat for Humanity, right? Classic mm -hmm. example or what you've done with the, 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 the philanthropy arm of Summit. And then there's communities for, for growth, which is Summit Series, where you're growing as an entrepreneur, or Mind Valley, where you're growing in your mind, body, and soul. I think those two ingredients are really, really important. Like, you know, McDonald's can't start a community. Coca-Cola can't start a community. It has to be focused, to me at least, the way I see it, community or growth. Those are the two things that really make it gel. Yeah, and it's also changed our view when you have a community that starts to form. I mean, you're, you're totally right. You can empower a community. You, you know, um, but you also have to kind of reframe yourself as a steward of the community. I mean, again, I'll even look at, you know, Tesla, of course, like any company has customers, but, the, but the Tesla car owners are so much more than just custom owners. They're like a diehard community right. who, you know, now they're living a certain type of, um, you know, a certain type of lifestyle and they're really passionate about the planet and, you know, so these yeah. communities are so much more. And so really what Tesla's doing, there's that great quote by Disney, Walt Disney, a brand is not a brand until it is owned by its fans. Mm, I love that. I love that. And Disney is, of course, one of the most beloved brands. Now, Elliot, tell us about your book, Make No Small Plans, because um, I, I, I think it's an incredible book. But I'm curious to understand that phrase from your perspective. Why, why do you say make no small plans? Well, the way we think about it is, is really everyone has a chance to live their biggest life, whatever that is. So, you know, your, your, your big plans, not making small plans are really in relation to your life. I mean, you may have, by the way, a big job that's actually a small plan, right? And what you really want to do is actually break out of that big corporate job and go start your own backyard garden. And in my view, that that would be making, you know, no small plans, like breaking out of something, um, you know, and maybe, you know, finding a new partner in your business. So you're not doing something on your own. But look, I think that our story, it's very relatable. We're four friends, only two of us graduated from college, you know, um, you know, we're not tech geniuses. And so I think, you know, when you read stories of a lot of, um, the companies that we use of our time, the Googles and the Facebooks, like the stories are not relatable because the people are just so smart and they scaled with so much money. Right. Like our story, there was no, I didn't even know what venture capital was. There were no investors at the beginning. And, um, you know, look, I also think it's a very good exercise for anyone to consider just writing a book. It's a very fun thing to do. And when you kind of go down the rabbit hole of how to write a book, there's so many ways to write a book. I read a book called Shoe Dog about the founder of Nike, Phil Knight. Right. And the book, I mean, he started Nike and it, the book just came out a few years ago. And the book ends in 1981, the day they go public. Like he could have written, he skipped the last, you know, 40 years. Why? 
because the most fun times of Nike were the first five years right. when he was making the sh- the running shoe out of a waffle iron in his garage. And he was going by himself to these, you know, Asian countries. He couldn't even speak any of the languages and he was having to figure it out along the way. And so our book is is from, you know, basically from the day I dropped out of college, I had zero relationships, zero connections, barely had started a business to six years later, we had now put on half a dozen summit events. We put on Summit at Sea with Richard Branson and the Roots were the house band. And the book ends the day that we sign and buy Powder Mountain. So it's basically the six-year story of wow. you know, how did I find how did I, you know, have the nerve to drop out of college? What was it like living with my parents? How did I find my business partners? How did we get through and skate through and make it happen? And then look, also our values the entire time were all about community friendship, the culture at our company, it was never about making money. Like our, our, our entire business. And, and by the way, there's not some big happy story where because we didn't focus on money, we made so much money. No, we just had the best time ever with the best people creating the best product. And we loved every single minute of it. And you, and you impacted so many lives. That summit that you mentioned when Richard Branson came down in a helicopter and the roots were performing, I was there. And it was like one of the most incredible weeks of my life. And thank you for that, because you gave that to thousands upon thousands of people who got to share that dream with you. Thanks. Look, all of it was a blast. And again, it's it's a very relatable story because we're building events. And yeah. so if anybody has ever, has anybody ever planned uh, a big dinner party and you, you, you plan a little more than you bargained for, you know, maybe you're only qualified to cook for six people and suddenly 12 people are showing up and you have to cook all this food and you don't have enough seats. So just like multiply that by 10 and then by 20 and then by 100. And like, that's basically what we were doing with these events was we're always like, you know, trying to pull off a little bit more than we possibly could. And, uh, you know, trying to create these surreal experience, right? The summit event is kind of like a fest. It's, it's, you know, a content music and Mm. art festival, right? Where you have the music, you have the art, you have the content. And look, at the end of the day, we always joke. You'll love this vision. Summit is the who's who of nice people. That's what we say, <laughs> right? We want, you know, and, and we we have our own culture that we create, right. right? Like Summit is about, you know, it's an it, it if you it's the opposite of the high school lunch experience where you don't know what table you're going to get to and, right. every, and and you end up sitting w- with nobody. Summit has a culture that we embedded from day one, where if you see someone not talking to someone else, you go over to them and introduce yeah. yourself. And so we built this company like deep with culture, um, deep with openness. We have one of our guidelines are is um, don't snub the startups and don't fanboy the big timers. And so we'll literally have these people like you had that experience with Richard Branson. Just the big timers are learning from the startups. The startups are are getting to learn from the big timers. And so we have a culture where people stay for the entire time. And then um, it just look when you just end this thread by saying when you go to an event and it's for the best finance minds, well, you're going to re- meet a lot of brilliant finance people, but the problem is that they're not all friendly. And so if you don't actually build a culture, and that doesn't mean it has to be invitation only, ideally you want to build events or communities where people can self-select into them. Like, let's just say um, Vision is hosting a yoga class at 6 a.m. And I, at the same time, am hosting an after party at 6 a.m. Think about the people who are going to go to Vision's yoga class at 6 a.m. on a Sunday versus the people who are going to go to my after party at 6 a.m. Like, I'm going to have probably the, de- the depressed people who are, you know, don't know what they're doing with their life. And Vision is going to have the people who are waking up Sunday morning, going to live their best life. And so, like, Summit is all about creating certain content, programming, music, and a culture that, that is going to allow people to self-select in who say, wow, I really relate to that. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, see, and so many magical things happen when people come together. What I want to do now, uh, Elliot, so I want, to, I want you to tell us how um, we can attend the summit event. Um, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast are Mind Valley members. And, and these are people who are entrepreneurs. They love personal growth. And many of them have heard of Summit because you built such a, a great brand. But I really want to like, encourage them to look up Summit and and learn a little bit more about the community. Before you start, I want to I give an endorsement of Summit. I want to say what I got out of Summit. 
because I'm just, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about your creation. I'm thinking, wow, wow I got so much out of it. So for example, Wim Hof, um, I, I met Wim Hof at Summit Series. Uh, we connected and then I invited him to come and speak at my event. He spoke at two Mind Valley events. We became friends and Wim was like such a powerful influence on my life. At the last Summit Series in LA, I realized I met my friend Olga, who's an event planner. And I've now been hiring Olga for the last two years to organize events for me in Los Angeles. And she's incredible. And I realized she's such a valuable part of my team, but I met her at Summit Series. And um, there were so many other inspirational people that I now know today. And I realized the root of our connection happened on the dance floor at Summit Series, <laughs> at one of the summits I attended, whether it was Summit at Sea on the Boat or it was Summit LA. So yeah, lots of incredible connections. Um, and you know, I, I want to give credit where it's due. It, a, a lot of these people in my life, I would not know if you, as a young um 21 year old didn't get this crazy idea that came out of your loneliness to pull together 19 guys crammed it into an eight, eight bedroom house <laughs> with 12 cans of beer um just to see what happens okay so tell us about summit series and how can we get involved okay there's th there's really two things we do that i think this group would be interested in we do big epic surreal events um we have an event summit palm desert in three weeks we in, in Palm Springs, California, we have an event summit at sea in May that leaves from the port of Miami. So we have our big epic summit events, summit.co, summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot C-O. And we have something called Summit Jinto. So if you're from all over the world, Summit Jinto may be more appropriate. It's a virtual forum where we actually curate and build a group of seven people um, and build you a virtual forum. You meet with them once a month for 90 minutes. And you, you know, we have a whole curriculum that we've designed. So I think Summit Chinto uh, is, you know, very interesting as well. So that's summit.co and then summitjunto.co. Okay. So um personal, tell us about so summit series. I see the next one is in Palm Deserts, and then you have the big one in LA. I think I might be in, uh, Miami. The big one in LA. In, 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 uh, in Miami. Miami. It's, in May, oh, twenty twenty, we we May. we mix up the locations uh, every couple years. We had three years in LA, and then we just keep changing and bouncing around. I see. So the one in May is is at sea. So I, I mean, the boat takes off from Miami. Yeah, and right. we, you know, so we for this one we partnered with Virgin on their new cruise ship. So we wow. literally imagine taking a cruise ship. We take over the ship. We redo all the food wow. with our menus and chefs. We redo all the music and program all the music, both the ambient music as well as the musical acts and then you know it's filled with the content that we program and it's filled with the people that we fill it with and so it's just this really surreal experiential off the charts you know three days that is beautiful it's happening just a week after a fest actually it might be happening the same week as a fest but i'm going to see if i can move a fest so i can attend some of that <laughs> see we're doing a fest in colombia wow where do you do it uh, in Cartagena. Has that been a great location? Probably, I'm sure. Well, it's we we change locations. We pick someplace exotic every year. This will be our first time in Cartagena. Wow. Yeah. That's but, but the last the last summit I couldn't attend because it clashed with our AFS in Jordan. So I got to speak to my team. Our dates, our, our weeks have been overlapping, and I got to change that because I want to. I really love summit. Okay, so Summit Junto, and uh, those are the two opportunities for people to get involved, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about Summit Junto? Yeah, I think, look, I'm a very big fan of self-education, right? Whether whether you're, you know, I love what Mind Valley's doing. I mean, I, I'm just a big fan of education, and I'm a really big fan of forums, right? And I think the reason a forum is so valuable, I'm, I'm sure many of you have been in forums or are in a forum now. It's quite challenging to have deep conversations with your existing social circle. It would just be, uh, you know, just the conversations aren't set up for that. Vision calls me and I say, you know, Vision, let me pause you right there. Will you share with me kind of what the 5% best things happening in your life are? What are the 5% most challenging things? Like, it's a bit tough to just kind of do that on a one-off phone call. And so when people join a forum, just like if someone agrees to go to AA, you know, um, you're committing to joining a tribe of people 
to further your best self. Like when my friends call me, they don't necessarily want me to check in on them and always be pushing them. Like sometimes you just want to shoot the breeze, have a fun conversation, you know, talk about life, watch a movie, what have you. And so I think when you're committing to a forum, you're basically finding half a dozen people who want to spend that hour and a half a month going deep, following a curriculum and answering challenging questions as well as being a peer group to move each other forward. So that's what all forums are for. That like there's lots of great forums. That's what a forum is. It's really valuable. And our idea was and to just kind of do the summit version of it. Make it all virtual and, so people and, can join from all over the world. And so you're with the same peer group for one year or multiple years? For multiple years. Although we've been playing with potentially changing it every one to two years, but in a successful forum uh, like YPO would be the most famous forum. I see. Right? But, so but, is this is this akin to YPO? Is YPO a model that we can use to yes, understand well, this? Yes, YPO is a great forum. I think something like YPO, it's, it's quite expensive. It can be tens of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars a year. You have to do uh, join a chapter in a city. So you're in the LA chapter, the New York chapter, right? The London chapter. There is no virtual option. Um, and then also you have to run a business of a certain size, right? A certain tens of millions of revenue, right. 100 employees. And so there's a lot of people, they're the lead singer of a band. They're a one-off artist. They run a small but thriving uh, you know, legal practice or accounting practice, or you know, they're a research scientist, or they're a professional athlete. Like You can't join YPO if you're a professional athlete who plays for the New I York see. Knicks. Well, so gosh, I think- this is- this yeah. is so exciting because I've been I've been a member of EO. I've been invited to YPO, but I've been looking for something different and Summit Junto could be the thing. How many yeah. people are in the forum? Okay, so what we do, we call it like-leveled. So regardless of what level you're at, someone who's just starting their entrepreneurial career is going to be in a forum with people just starting their entrepreneurial career. And I someone see. like Vision is going to be at a top-level group with five or six other people running businesses that are at the scale that he's at. And so it's a group where you're peered with people at your level. I see. And so, and yeah. That's beautiful. And how many people per group? Six or seven. And are they all in the same city or is this virtual? No, like my group is six people and uh, three of them are in Europe. One is in you know Texas, one in California. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and so we set a curriculum that we designed. We have professional facilitators who do the first few sessions and they teach the group facilitator how to facilitate. And then the group kind of takes over almost like a river rafting guide, instructing you how to paddle the boat. I see. And then you kind of take over. And then we have in-person meetings at our events. So for example, Mind Valley could start, you know, a forum and then you can meet up at the Mind Valley events. But it was a good look, the events are just a couple of days a year. And so forum was a way for people you know, for example, like Summit, we don't do content. We just do events and forum. And so this was a way for people to connect deeply, consistently with the group. I love that. It's such a great idea. And how often does the group meet? You know, the group, so part of it is the group set their own schedule. So I would say every three to five weeks, depending on how busy they are. And then the group can meet for 90 minutes to two hours. So there's some empowerment within the group. And then the group can choose different curriculums that are more appropriate to each group. And some of the groups are co-ed, some are all women, some are all men. So you can kind of choose what you're interested in. I see. I'm 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 so loving this right now because um, I moved away from Malaysia. I'm now in Estonia because my children's mother is Estonian and my kids go to school there. But the thing about Estonia is I'm in a really tiny city of 400,000 people and I don't speak the local language. So I often feel lonely because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, there are many, Estonia has the highest number of entrepreneurs in the world, but unless you speak the local language, it's hard to break in, right? So because, I, I don't sorry, speak Estonia. Estonia uh, why are there so many entrepreneurs? That's like the Tallinn, culture there? Oh, Tallinn, Tallinn just took over Tel Aviv as the, the city with the highest density of VC money per capita, entrepreneurs per capita, startups per capita, and unicorns per capita. Wow. Okay. But you're it's, saying, it's but, crazy, it's, but right? it's also because you don't speak the language, it can, even for someone That's like the, you, it can be yeah. hard to break in because no matter how much people want to meet you, if you don't speak the same language, that's right. a problem. Because all of those groups converse in Estonian. And if you're the lone English speaker, they have to change their context to include you in. And so they're like, you know, let's just not invite the English speaker. Oh, no. So that, that kind of happens, right? So I've been looking for <laughs> 
to uh, it's it's actually been the, the funny thing i think one of the reasons i started mind valley is because i was lonely um it's lonely at the top it sounds like a similar reason you started summit series but i found that it doesn't stop like the higher i go it's still freaking fucking lonely um and i've been doing my my dandas to find ways to meet with the right people and i'm this is why i'm just excited about summit junta and honestly for those of you who are listening to this podcast i'm just learning about it right now and so this what I'm talking, what my excitement is real. I'm just learning about it right now. And I'm going to be applying this week, I think. Cool. Well, yeah, I was lonely. You're lonely at the top. I was lonely at the bottom and I was going nowhere fast. <laughs> That's So yeah. yeah, no, look, you're right. When you're an entrepreneur, it is not glamorous. You know, there are yeah. many highs, but it is so challenging. Um, and as you're right, as you get higher, there are now few people who can, who have experienced problem solving the problems you have. Right. Like right. as you've scaled Mind Valley, the challenges you run into, there's just not that many people in the world who have problem solved those types of challenges. Right. You can't just ask every, you know, exactly. person around you, you know, how how do you deal with X, Y, and Z? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited about what you do. Thank you for an amazing, an amazing conversation. Uh, it was so nice reminiscing with you, all the beautiful experiences at AFES and Summit. So let's do a quick recap. So if you are looking for an incredible event that you can attend and meet meet the who's who of nice people. And, and I know Elliot, Elliot's one of the most modest guys I know. And the people you meet are nice, but they are also so incredible, so incredible. You will meet people you may want to have as your business partners, people who will inspire you. Then definitely attend Summit Series. Um, go to summit.co and check it out. The next event is happening in three weeks and they have their big Summit Boat event in May. And if you're looking for an intimate mastermind with people whom you can get deeply connected to, check out Summit Junto, that's spelled J-U-N-T-O dot C-O, and check it out. And Elliot, thank you for being the person you are. Um, I've made so many friends, so many connections through you. So you have an incredible place in my heart. And you're I'll the probably best. see you at the next Summit series. Yeah, I loved chatting. Love your community. Love, love chatting with you. You're, you're really the best. Thanks, Elliot. All right. Take care, guys. And I will see you all on the next Mind Valley podcast. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.